Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to our Sunday service here at Ananda Village, those of you present and those viewing online. A special welcome to our guests that are at the Expanding Light for the Divine Friendship Weekend. We're very enthusiastic about ramping up our, our energy there at the Expanding Light. So welcome and welcome to Ananda Village. So today I'm gonna read from Rays of the One Light, Commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. This morning's, oh, I'm Naya Swami Krishnadas, Naya Swami Mantradevi. So today's topic is the inner kingdom. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Most people imagine that the inner kingdom, as Jesus described it, lacks the fascination they attribute to sense life. The bright lights, the diverse attractions, the joys and the laughter. Little do they realize what a vast universe exist in their own selves. There are many passages in the Old and New Testaments of the Bible that describe aspects of this inner kingdom. In the book of Genesis, we read, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This garden was no earthly place. It exists even now in the very self of every human being. The legend of Adam and Eve is allegorical. It describes how the first human beings dissipated their spiritual energy centered in the spine. The spine is the channel through which flows the river of baptism and of spiritual life. The Bhagavad Gita tells us, the wise speak of an eternal aswata tree with its roots above and its branches below. The tree of life spoken of also in Genesis is the spine. Its roots are above in the brain's energy its branches are the outward spreading nervous system. When the sap, which is to say the energy, flows downward, the consciousness is drawn into delusion. On the other hand, when the energy is drawn upward in deep meditation, the consciousness is drawn toward its eternal source, God and is at last united with him. Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, therefore urges his chief disciple Arjuna to embrace the yoga science, the path of meditation. The yogi, Krishna says, is greater than the ascetic, greater even than the followers of the paths of wisdom, jnana yoga, or of action, karma yoga. Be thou, O Arjuna, a yogi. For those who would find the divine truth, 
Krishna gives this description of the yogi. Steadfast, a lamp burns, sheltered from the wind, steadfastly meditating, solitary. Such is the likeness of the yogi's mind. Shut from sense storms and burning bright to heaven. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om. Om. Well, a warm welcome to you all from me also. It's a joy to share with you today. And uh, this topic is a wonderful one, the inner kingdom. I'm going to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity, this living book by Paramahansa Yogananda, and all these prayer demands that he gave us. This one is perfect for today. Make us transparent, that thy light may shine through us unimpeded. The sunbeams of thy love shine equally on all the members of thy cosmic family, whether prophet, hero, villain, tiny moth, or me. It is our own fault that we make ourselves opaque by our own mental and emotional dullness. Teach us to wipe away the dirt of error from the windows of our understanding. Our arms are weak for the task, owing to our long inner spiritual resistance. O oh, Master Cleanser, lend power to our efforts that we may wipe away every last spot that clings to our minds, obscuring our transparency and preventing free enter, entry to thy light. O oh, make us fully clean again invisible in our egos, because transmitting only visions of thy beauty, which lies within us." So, the inner kingdom, this is a really good subject. It's a wonderful one, because that's where we live, isn't it? Is in our inner kingdom. And it's a good follow-up for last week's topic, How to Worship. And Davy last week gave a stellar talk on that subject, a lot of it that could have been applied this week. Um, I would suggest you listen to it again. It was very, very inspiring. And so this, this week, we're going to talk about that inner kingdom that is within us all and how to work with that kingdom. Um, when I lived in Santa Monica, we were down there starting the uh, center down there, and we were working very hard, of course, because anything like that takes a lot of work. And I was finally able to go down to the beach and just chill for a little while. And I went down there, and this sunset was happening, and it was all gold. Everything was gold. There was, and then there's these big billowy clouds came up, and they were all gold, different hues of gold and white. And it, I kid you not, it was a whole scene. It was a scene of mountains and rivers and lakes and 
um, I really could hardly believe my eyes. I've never seen a sunset before like that, and I've never seen one since. It was just filled the sky. And I felt like I was looking into heaven. I also felt like it was just a gift from God that I happened to be there that day and got to see this. And that's how our inner kingdom should be, is that glimpse into heaven and make that be what our inner kingdom is. A friend uh, and I were talking about a book that Swami wrote called The Time Tunnel. And he was talking about how it's such a special book that uh, Swami in it kind of could say things that he couldn't have said just saying it outright. And so I started reading the book again. I read it 10 years ago when Swami I wrote it. But I found that it was it's so excited because, exciting because Swami totally understands the concept of time. And in the book, too, he shows us also the perils of a society based on um, dictatorship. I mean, he shows the good parts of societies and the bad. What the story is, is about it's disguised as a children's book. And it would be very entertaining for a child, but it has little Donnie, who's nine, and his brother Bobby, who's seven. And Donnie is Swamiji when he was young, and his brother Bobby. And they find a tunnel, and they go through it, and find themselves in timelessness. And there in timelessness, they meet a man whose father had created the tunnel. And you come to realize that that place, that timeless place, is the astral world. And then Swami goes on through this man to explain how time exists and what time is. And we've all heard this, Master said it many times, that this plane is a dream, that God is dreaming this plane. And reading this book, I understood it much better because how can we ever understand it until we experience it? But um, Swami did, and I'm going to read what he said, because uh, I couldn't really reiterate it exactly how he said. You may find it very interesting also. The astral world itself is based simply on the fact that we're conscious, and consciousness is always now, in the present moment in the present tense. The present is, in fact, the only real time there is. Everything else is only movement in that never-moving reality, the waves on the surface of a sea, the overall level of which never changes. Your permanent reality remains in the astral world. Your true self, your consciousness of self, is always in the astral world and always now. Your physical body and time are simply proportions of a dream from the astral world. When their friend took the boys in different times in history, he would say, this is how people were dreaming at this time. The consciousness of the people would direct how the dream of that time manifests. It's all consciousness. And this is why it's also so, so important that we help change the consciousness of this planet right now, because the dream that is being dreamed right now is of a lower consciousness. 
And we need to, each one of us, through our efforts, we need to help uplift that dream. And so as the boys went through in different times and he showed them different consciousness. Now, Swami explains in the great epic, the Mahabharata, he talks about Drodhana. And Drodhana is king material desire and he symbolizes the lower tendencies in us. And so Jirodhana, when the soul starts getting uh, lighter, when the soul starts meditating, when we come on the path, when we start thinking about God, then Jirodhana starts to get very worried because he's seeing that he's not as important to the uh, ego anymore that the ego isn't giving him as much energy as he used to. And so Drona turns, I mean not Drona, Drona turns to Drona, who is old habits, and he gets his aid in pulling us back into those bad habits, in those old habits, those old habits that keep us bound. And so it's very interesting, the whole concept of consciousness, that wherever we are in our consciousness, that's what the dream is going to be. And that dream that we're dreaming has come simply from us tuning into those levels of consciousness. And as Master said, we don't create consciousness, we tune into it. And so as we, get lighter in consciousness, the dream is going to change. And it's all within our spine. And yes, we know that, right? Because we've heard this, we've heard this talked about, that your spine is the highway to the infinite. And it is. And there's um, the magnetic pull that is up here that takes us into God consciousness. And at the same time, there's a negative magnetic pole that's always bringing us down. So, and that's the law of creation anyway. It has to have the positive and negative poles to keep us in existence. And if at any time it became totally positive, then that existence would no longer exist. We'd no longer exist. And that's when we find um, ourself uplifted totally, right? Okay, so this is the process that we're going through. And as you tune into these different levels, it's almost like our, our spine is, is um, I was thinking about it being like a, a, a high rise, and well, not real high, let's say seven stories. And um, so when you get on the elevator, and that's what it is, it's like an elevator going up and down our spine, our consciousness. As our consciousness changes, then we're on a different floor. And so we, we have a different reality. And so if you give in to that negative magnetism, because both magnets are pulling us, depending on what part of the spine um, we're tuning into. So you can get on, you can start tuning into the negative aspect and get, on that elevator and boom, it will obligingly take you to the basement. And there you are in the basement and it's dark and you're dreary 
And you think, okay, well, I'll get in the elevator and push the button, go up again. You get in the elevator and it didn't quite work to push the button. And so you have to take the stairs. You start doing <laughs> affirmations. You start tuning in again until you bring your consciousness up. And that's the important thing. This is what Swami Kriyananda spent his life doing and helping us do, especially in creating this community and in creating Ananda, all the communities. He was always fighting against that negative um, pull, downward pull. And people would say, well, Swami, all you're doing, all these things, you know, maybe all these books you're writing, and the, the, they're, they're not drawing all the people like you say that they're going to. Swami said, I can't afford to think that way. I need to always, always be positive. And that's our key, because when you're positive, that positive magnet will pull you up. And that's all you need to do is be positive. So if you find your energy starting to go down, just turn it around. It's, it's, it's not rocket science, it's science though. And so we always needing to be aware of that, using all the techniques that we have, all that Master gave us, all the uh, books that Swami wrote, to be able to do that. And you find that then those vrittis, all that in our spine, they'll start, as they start to dissipate, what Swami said, he said, when a vritti dissipates, the energy turns into joy. And that energy is because Okay, that was bound energy, right? Energy is energy. And that energy was bound up in a little vortice of a karma. And then when it dissipates, it just turns into another form of energy. And that's why we feel, after we have a test or something and it's over, we feel that joy because it's dissipated. You know, Ananda Moy Ma said that we are all born to love. And that's the one thing. Everything we learn in life, we have to learn from a person or somewhere, except for being loving. And she said, when a baby is born, the baby automatically loves its mother. One-pointedly, the mother is the whole world. And then as it starts to, it's uh, conscious, not its consciousness so much, but it starts becoming more aware of more going on in the world, then it's not so one-pointedly just with the mother. Other things are included. And so think of that. We started out with that ability to have one-pointed love toward our mother. So we have that ability to have one-pointed love to Divine Mother. And it's very uh, you know, I have a personal experience of what Ananda Moimai said is true. Because when my son was born, we were just, there was this divine love affair, just him and me. And it was just this, this wonderful energy. And we were just totally immersed in each other. You know, that's why we like being around babies, isn't it? Because that love that they're executing. And, um, so 
I was aware of other things. I mean, everybody else around us and all that was happening. But I was his world. I don't know how long that lasted. Months, maybe his first year, I don't know. But, um, and then, you know, he became more aware of the rest of the world. And, but w when he could talk, he was still young. We were having a conversation. And I don't remember what it was about. And he said, oh, that was before daddy came. <laughs> and daddy had been around the whole time. He was always there, you know. But Chai's energy, it was, it was mother was the whole world. So that's how we need to get again, by little, like little children, little children that have that, that pure, unaffected love this is a little story that's, that's funny and touching, that in a, a waiting room in the doctor's office, there was a woman and a little boy, she was sitting on his, he was sitting on her lap, and the door opened and a woman wheeled in an old man in a wheelchair. And then she went up to the receptionist's desk to talk to them. So the old man was sitting there and he was, very alone, and he was quiet, and he probably didn't look all that happy. He was in the doctor's office. And the, after a few minutes, the little boy slipped off his mother's lap and went over, and he put his hand on the old man's hand, and he said, I know just how you feel. My, mother make, my mommy makes me ride in the stroller, too. <laughs> compassion, you know, of this little child from his point of view. You know, he was very compassionate. And that's how we need to get. You know, Swami said, he shared how he saw us. And he said that he feels like God is trying to get out of these little human egos. And he feels such compassion and such an overwhelming love, he said, for all of those people, for all of us. And that's how he saw us. He didn't see us as, as individual people. You're this way and you're that way. No, he saw us all as souls fighting to get out of this little ego that we're in. And he said, when a, a um, person goes through great trials and their suffering, he said, I don't think about the present now. I don't think of their suffering. I think of the joy they're going to have when they find God and the suffering has ended. And there, there, there again, this comes this time element that, that Swami lived in the now. He lived in the now and the now was always. And the now is also when you are one with God, when all of us are. And he said that, um, uh, there was one more thing. Oh, that he said, stop thinking that you're different from me. He said, we are all sleeping gods and we're all the same. And so Swami had that compassion and that love for us all. Um, I had several other things I want to say, and um, I think now I want to talk about my, our good friend Anandi. 
And because if there was anybody in this world, in this um, world, yeah, that was um, preparing for the final exam, it was Anandi. She passed away four months tomorrow. And, you know, if anybody had said to Anandi one year ago, said, Anandi, in eight months, exactly, you're going to be in the astral world. I can imagine her response. I can just see. I can see she would have laughed and she would have said, I wish. <laughs> I mean, and, and she just, you know, she lived her life as um, always, always working on herself. She was always looking inside. She was always tuning in. She was always trying to tune more deeply into Master and Swami and, and do the right thing. And she, um, Krishna at, was there at the end of her life, and she wrote a very nice description. And um, it was just very, very powerful, because she said that the Masters were all there. And um, Krishna said to me later, she said she didn't write this in the description, and she just wrote how, in the description, how um, um, Anandi had taken her last breaths and could feel the energy of all the masters there. And Krishna said that she thought about Swami, and she wondered, and she said, Swami, are you here? She got an instant answer, I'm here. So. All of, all of them were there, and they just took her up. And he, she said it was like going up in an elevator, like whoosh, and she flew away. So, you know, it, it, they're going to be there with us because we're trying, because we're making the effort. It's not like Anandi didn't have a lot of trials in her life. She did. But um, her sister Barbara, we were talking about their life when they were children. Uh, Nandi always took care of Barbara because she was the older sister. And Barbara is much more emotionally based and would have a hard time about things. Anandi more objective. And one time something was happening and Barb got all uh, upset about something and wanted it to be different. And Anandi said to her at one point in their conversation, she said, you know, Barb, I just, didn't come on, I just didn't come in with a lot of um, expectations. And that was Anandi. She didn't have a lot of expectations. And when we lose that thought that we have to have it this way, that life should be this way or that way to make us happen, then we're unhappy. But if we don't have expectations, then that whatever happens, happens to us, and it's okay. So, um, you know, and I was thinking about Anandi and how she spent her adult life of 50 years studying the teachings, like I said, and getting in tune and disseminating the teachings, and, and she had so much to give. She had that beautiful combination of great wisdom and practicality and heart. And so I was thinking, gosh, you know, she was like in her prime. She was just going full force and she was giving to so many and she was just, her life was 
so um, successful in that way. And then suddenly it was gone. All those years of working toward that, and she was gone. And then I thought, yes, when I looked at her passing and what her passing did for so many, so many in, in um, the way she passed and the help that she's given then and since. And then I just thought, you know, it was like a million horsepower motor was put on her little boat. And it's just doing a job that she could never have even done on Earth. But she had to build up to that. And we all do. That's why it's so important. You keep going on pushing the up button on the elevator. You keep going to the next floor. You be positive. You love God. And that's all we're here to do. You know, attunement master said, and Swami would reiterate that often, attunement, attunement, attunement. And getting in touch with God, how do we do that? All of our techniques, everything that we're given in this life is to help bring us to that point. And so you don't want to be down there in cahoots with Drodna. You want to be up. You want your energy going up and keep it, keep that magnet, keep reinforcing and keep energizing that magnet. And it will just draw you up because the force of both those magnets is great. It's, it's got a lot of power either way. And so that power we need to tap into. Loving master, being, uh, doing all of our techniques, serving. Swami said that people who serve experience spiritual growth far more than the amount of time that they've been meditating. That that they are, um, that helps us. So doing all those, and that is what is gonna get us success. And that's what our inner kingdom should be. It should be full of gold, full of beautiful billowing clouds. And you know, I'll quote Anandi, as she said, and God keeps doing what he does. He will stretch us, he will test us, but he will never let us down. God bless you. I'm going to play a composition of Swami Kriyananda's called Love is Ever New Discovery. It's from the album Secrets of Love.